Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your hosts, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory. This one coming at you on a Wednesday. Mixing up a little bit. Got to keep people on their toes. I'm your host, John Bauer. Find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. You're joined by Dan Lamagna. That is not FF Coach Dan on Twitter. Yes, the Coach Dan from the Dynasty Theory YouTube channel. If you haven't checked it out, sorry, Dan, I didn't mean to steal your thunder here. But Dan says, guys, give me the StreamYard login information. And I was like, why? What is he going to do? So Dan is going to kick off Coach's Corner Series tonight throughout just a very quick three and a half minute intro uh, talking about his background and, and his involvement with fantasy football, actual football, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun and you're going to start to see more YouTube exclusive content. Uh, it might be all three of us, just one of us, two of us, or maybe Dan and Mitch say, JB, we're done with you. It's just going to be us two. That, that could be realistic too. But now that I rambled long enough, anyway, Dan, what's going on, man? Man, I, I gotta give you like a fee now as my agent here. Like I didn't even expect all this here tonight. But as you know, JB, the competitive juices have been flowing, and I've only been like talking about this for probably like three years since when I first started talking to Mitch in our our uh, original Safe League chat. I said, Mitch, you know, I'm thinking about doing this little podcast. I got this little itch, you know, and, and you guys were doing Super Flexology, and then uh, you know, man, I, just, I think there's an opportunity to get more of what we're doing here in Dynasty Theory out there. So. I want to give some unfiltered, unedited, just coaches' takes related to fantasy football. So I'm just going to pop in randomly, man, for our listeners on a weekly basis. And uh, like you said, JB, you know, we're going to give just a little bit extra, a little something extra as we continue to grow. And we, with the extra stuff, Dan, I know your mornings are blocked off, but Mitch and I have talked about doing some morning episodes every once in a while, like quick hitters. So that could really work out. Freeze up the evening, if you will. All right, we're also joined by the fantastic husband that is Mitch Sorensen. The reason for the one day later this week is because he was being a good husband and it was his wife's birthday. How was the birthday festivities yesterday? It was really good. I feel bad because it seems to be always my weekly night issues that end up moving us from one to the other, but you guys are always awesome. You're always like, nope, we'll just move it one more day and it works out perfectly. So thank you for you guys. Thank you to the listeners for waiting an extra day for it, but I'm really excited for this episode. Mitch, well, if, I, if, if I were you, I would have ask John to like cut that little opening clip like that opened up with the wonderful husband, Mitch. So when you're in the doghouse at any point this year, you just play that back. I don't think my wife's going to listen to John. I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. She's going to be sitting there one day like, oh man, I'm really upset with Mitch. But, but John said, to, all right. It's I'll, true. It's true. Yeah. So fantasy football advice, uh, maybe marriage counseling could be on my my you know plate here I, th- I could do it all buddy i could do it all anyway um and some of our listeners were upset that we got delayed we got our guy salazar in the chat here live on youtube and the he tweets at us did i, did I miss my dynasty theory episode no you didn't miss it you didn't miss it we're not no but uh yeah mitch never an issue if we have to you know change the schedule around but we do want to talk about some football here tonight believe it or not that was like our longest intro, I think, in the history of the show without it's okay. The first question always takes 15 minutes anyways, and all the rest take like two. So it works out. Yeah. All right. Well, but actually, before we get to the quarterback narratives, let's do the super, or the, uh, super so all my super flexology. What? Wow. That was anybody that started listening recently. This show kicked off as super flexology. I'm on. I'm on a different planet right now, and it's I'm only drinking water. Anyway, let's do our Scott Fishbowl giveaway. Nah, we're going to make people wait for that. We're going to make people wait. Just kidding. All right. So quarterback narratives. Dan, I want to start with you. The first one. And these are kind of, you know, I, I, I pull generic narratives that people have been talking about. Just kind of put a spin on it. Lamar Jackson. He can't throw. Dan, people are knocking Lamar Jackson. How do you feel about this? Must be the offseason. Everybody needs something to talk about there. I, I have no issues with Lamar Jackson. I've seen him throw well before. He's young. He's still developing. We know this, all right? He's on an offense that features the run. So, you know, yeah, we'd like to, you know, have him sling it a little bit more over time. And I think he will. Um, 
he's had limited receiving targets in recent years. We've seen Baltimore doing their best to bolster the weapons around him this offseason. I don't think we're going to come out and see Lamar like, you know, you know, fixing all the becoming the best, most accurate passer this year. But he's young and he is developing. He's got great work ethic. He is an elite talent. You know, you, you don't get everything all in your, your first couple of years as a quarterback in the NFL. So that whole narrative of him can't can't throw, do not buy it at all. Um, the only thing I am buying is Lamar shares. If I could get him, I'll take him. He's definitely a top five quarterback. I was just going to say, so you have him as a top five dynasty quarterback still at this point, correct? Yeah, I mean, you, you pick the format, but we're talking dynasty theory tonight. I'm looking at my rankings right now, and I got six guys' names in bold, and he's one of them. And he, he's number fifth on, five on my list, but you could easily make an argument to be number four and potentially even higher. Yeah, like you said, maybe it is just the off season. This is kind of the the lull here. We're in June. Things seem to be slowing down across the board. So we got to make up these narratives and we're here to discuss them. And if we should, you know, put anything, any stock into them. Mitch, you threw a tweet out today, and I have a feeling it was because that we, you know, of the fact that we were going to talk about Lamar Jackson and his inability to throw the ball accurately. It was. So I actually found, I was going through pro football reference, just looking at the different stats and in their advanced stats section, they have an accuracy category and in there they have them for on target percent percentage, bad throw percentage, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of other ones. And you look at it and the on throw percentage looks pretty sticky. If you look at, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, those kind of guys, they actually 80%, they're really good. So I'm like, okay, let's look at some, you know, quarterbacks who we don't think are as accurate. I looked up Drew Locke. Drew Locke was like 60 per, 68 or 69%. So you're like, okay, so he's lower. That looks pretty good. So I went and looked at Lamar's. Lamar is at 75% for on target percentage, right? And then you look at Baker, and Baker is worse in like the bad throw categories the on target categories. And so my argument isn't Baker is a bad quarterback. My only argument is Lamar Jackson isn't a bad thrower, not as bad as what we make him out to be. We might see it that way because he was so proficient in what 2019 that everything was going for touchdowns that season. And so maybe we were expecting it. And then we just kind of didn't see it happen. He kind of had a bad regressive year in 2020 to where, I think if he just goes out and has a normal season this year, he'll cement himself as a top five, top six quarterback in the league. There should be no doubt. And I am not by any means a Lamar Jackson truther, or, you know, I certainly don't identify as one, but when you look at the high end quarterbacks, I don't care how you're getting your fantasy points. If you're putting up numbers, I there's not an asterisk next to your fantasy points. that says, well, this was because of rushing and last year was about 140 points. And that's what it's, you know, uh, the last two years, it's about 140 points each year that come from his rushing upside, which is absolutely tremendous. But looking at a few numbers, and of course, for a few of these guys, I had to look at a few numbers, 17th out of 28 in terms of adjusted completion percentage on throws over 20 yards. And just to kind of narrow it down a little bit. So random scrubs aren't getting thrown in. I minimum 30 attempts. And guess what? That was ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Two guys that the dynasty community, they're infatuated with. You talk about the bad throw percentage, minimum 200 passing attempts. It wasn't great. 24 out of 36. But the big thing here is, and tell me if I'm wrong, guys, but if Lamar Jackson took a gradual progression from year one to year two, and then into year three, the narrative on him would be completely different. Mm-hmm. But Dan, I think you said touchdowns galore in 2019, 9% touchdown percentage, 9%. That is through the roof. Whereas you look at a player like Josh Allen, his completion percentage, 52, 58, 69, touchdown percentage, three, four, 6.5. Lamar, he went up. And then he came down a little bit, but still across the board, really solid numbers. And then you look at red zone production. Still, he was the sixth highest increase over expectation for red zone passing touchdowns. So you go through, you take your averages of all the players and you, you look at the uh, expected value and take the difference. And he 
six highest increase. So is there a chance for regression in that category? Possibly, but he's been extremely efficient in the Reds in the last two years. So long story short for me, I don't care if Lamar Jackson can or can't throw, which I do believe he can. He's still a, a top, you know, five dynasty, you know, quarterback. I almost said wide receiver. But if, if if you could put Ben's comment up on the screen there a little bit, I I, I want to pick on Ben. I can't if I can in the the chat there, and I and I'm going to respectfully disagree. And Ben's got great takes every week there, but I think Baltimore could get more snaps. Never mind more like passing game volume. I think you might see the punter a little bit less this really year. Really quick, Dan, a reminder, yeah. and I think you and Mitch forget this. Not everybody's watching on YouTube. Not Discord. everybody can see the comment. Ben Hartley in the chat. He's in our Discord, a, a great group of people in that Discord community. Ben says, if you project the passing game to have more volume, something suffers, either Lamar or J.K. Dobbins' volume. All right, Dan, take it away. Yeah, I mean, like, why can't we have our cake and eat it, too, in Baltimore? You go back to last year, we're looking for Lamar to take that next jump. It was a COVID year. Like, that had a factor into the ability to get timing with the receivers, that ability to work on certain things that maybe he needed to work on that he couldn't because of, we're in a pandemic and they're doing things virtual versus out on the field. And then, you know, the O-line wasn't the same. They were patching the wide receivers to go as the year went on. You know, they, they have Des Bryant out there who's slipping, can't get the right cleats on, you know, during the games. And I mean, there was just like so many things against them. So I don't think it's so much more additional passing volume. I think it's just more plays. I think it's going to be a more efficient offense with an improved offensive line and improved receiving corps and Lamar having time to work with that offense this offseason like he couldn't last year. The receiving corpse is slipping in again. The receiving <laughs> corpse just won't die. It keeps coming back. But Dan, you talk about more plays. I know in 2019, they were at the top of the NFL in terms of plays that they ran. And still a very low, I think the lowest percentage of pass to run. And I'd have to go back and look at 2020, but 440 pass attempts in 2019, just over 400 total in 2020. 406 for the team in 2020. Let's say we project 450 pass attempts, which is on the higher side for that offense. I don't know if it necessarily is going to knock the rushing production overall, but I I don't think that we can see a lot of high-end production from the receivers. And Mitch, you're kind of making a face. You're squinting a little bit. But well, I'm just wondering because like the questions, I'm not sure what the question is now because we started off, can Lamar Jackson throw? And now we're getting <laughs> into like the wide receivers if they're going to produce. I'm just, I just want to stay on the same page. It's all what? I want, John. No, there's a reason I brought that up. And here's my thought. A lot of the negative press and i say press I use that term loosely that lamar jackson gets within the fantasy and dynasty community i think that is solely based on when we try to figure out the production from their wide receivers if the wide receivers weren't mentioned lamar jackson fantastic fantasy dynasty asset boom done great but i think it trickles in well he can't support a wide receiver that's the way that offense is run though. So that's kind of, that's why I brought up the wide receiver conversation, but also people in the chat. I like to engage people in the, the chat here, Mitch. I know. Do you? you? Yeah, of course. I just wondered. Yeah, of course. But we're talking about receivers and that's the reason I brought up because I think that's the negative perception that people have of Lamar Jackson. He can't support a receiver. I don't care. And the, the numbers are there. Was he great in 2020 from a, a passing perspective? No. But again, if it was more of that gradual progression from his rookie year, it would be a completely different conversation. Whereas we have people salivating over Josh Allen. And I love Josh Allen. I have, he's one of my most rostered quarterbacks in dynasty. But again, it's because that was that gradual progression as opposed to the spike in year two and then coming back down. And we only need a little spike from Lamar in the passing game. You know, my points are nothing drastic, just a little bit of spike, a little bit of progress. He could throw, not expecting big wide receiver production, just a little bit of spike to go with that rushing upside. And Lamar's a gem this season. And he's still in a six and a half percent touchdown rate mm -hmm. in 2020, which is certainly on the higher end that was tied for third. 
So not just the higher end. Hollywood missed so many touchdowns too. I know John or Dan from last year, DFS, we both had them and we're like, just once, just once let it happen. And then we talk about, we have the comment here, Lamar hasn't really had a stud wide receiver either. And that's certainly true. But my my concern is Greg Roman, the style of play coming in, being there as the offensive coordinator, kind of saw the same thing in San Francisco to an extent when he had Colin Kaepernick at quarterback. Mm-hmm. But there's no guarantee Greg Roman's going to be there beyond 2021. So when we look at it with our dynasty lenses on, our dynasty glasses, I, I don't know. There should be no concern here for Lamar Jackson. There are people saying he's not in my top 12. I've seen this. Not my top 12 dynasty quarterbacks. Get those clicks. Get those clicks. Everyone can tweet whatever they want on Twitter, man. This is what it is. They can, though. They People can tweet what they Choose want. Choose who you follow. All right. Wow, Mitch. Getting, getting angry here. Mitch, I'm just Mitch is saying. nice on Tuesdays, but once we cross over to Wednesday, all bets are off. All right. I mentioned Justin Herbert previously, but there are people saying that he's going to go through a sophomore slump. Mitch, sophomore slump. Do we see it? So this is kind of based off of like the teams are seeing them for a second time, right? And so teams have a longer time to prepare for him. I think that would make sense if the team were close to the same season to season. The Chargers went out and they went from a below average offensive line to what we all assume is going to be a very good offensive line. And that was before they drafted Slater. And now they have Slater. And so if you tell me, I honestly don't care who the quarterback is. If you tell me they're going to be behind a very good offensive line, they have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler. I'm going to love that quarterback. And I'm not going to worry about if it's the second year or his 15th year. I'm going to want that quarterback. They've done everything that we want an organization to do. Mm-hmm. Hopefully find that stability. You know, it, it, it's still, we have to see how it plays out in terms of the play calling and uh, how everything blends together. But the offensive line should be drastically improved on paper. It looks like it will be, um, you know, and the weapons are around them. So as long as everybody stays healthy, we should be okay here in season number two. Dan, are you buying into the sophomore slump stuff? When we look at Justin Herbert, yeah, this must be like a deep Twitter dive. Going back to anyone can post anything on Twitter. <laughs> you don't. You, you don't have to go too deep to find. I don't have to go too deep. Wow. No. I'm giving this one a hard no and asking the question why because everything is better in Los Angeles. We talked about the O line and, and I'm excited to talk O line tonight. I, I I cracked in over this Memorial Day holiday into the O line studying. I still have some ways to go, but I, I spent a little bit of time on all 32 teams, and I, I look at the Chargers. Man, they invested a lot between their first-round draft pick and Slater, and they still have their returning left tackle coming off the bench now, so they got a little bit of depth in Trey Pipkins. They invested money in Corey Lindsley at center. I mean, that's just a, it's a really good-looking line that's coming together there. And then you got a much better coaching staff, much better. This is an Anthony Lynn's run game here, and – Herbert's going to get all these reps now in camp with the ones, even though we watched him in games last year, throw the ball to Guyton and Tyron Johnson, these guys we never heard of, and he was throwing dimes. So I am absolutely stoked about Herbert this season, and it's all uphill for me. For me, I well, all downhill. Downhill, yeah, Uphill yeah. will be getting more difficult. Yeah, it's all downhill. See, we got to keep each other in check here. That's what we do. But I just, I don't think there's any merit to it. And then people say, well, historically, there's a sophomore slump. 7.3 yards per attempt for Justin Herbert in year one, okay? Since 2015. Just just listen, listen, listen. I'm not going back to 2003, just 2015. (laughs) I don't want to get yelled at here. Quarterbacks with over seven yards per attempt and over 200 passing attempts their rookie season. So again, somebody that's not coming in like 30 pass attempts. Patrick Mahomes. Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, Dak Prescott. And even though people want to hate on them for the first few years in the league, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, they are in that category. They held their dynasty value fairly well the first three seasons. So people, the the thing that people were remembering is Baker Mayfield because I was actually looking at uh, startups from Baker's second year. He was going to quarterback too because I I found some tweets. And this one didn't really age well, but I said – He's going before Andrew Luck in startups and shouldn't be. Well, I didn't know Andrew Luck was just going to say, hey, I'm done. 
but the point still stands. So that's what people are looking at when they look at Justin Herbert. And when you talk about historically, that's all they're looking at. So out of those six quarterbacks that I mentioned, five of them held their dynasty value through the first three years of the career may feel a little up and down. Uh, you know, his ex expected red zone passing touchdowns over actual was actually lower. So it's not like he was hyper efficient. He just had 595 pass attempts. So I expect to see the volume still, but he wasn't ex extremely efficient 14th in terms of touchdown percentage. So on the higher end, but there is room to grow. So I, we saw gaudy numbers from Justin Herbert, but I don't necessarily think he's going to improve but it's going to take something special for him to really get a big hit and kind of go back to that Baker Mayfield value shift. So any other thoughts there on Justin Herbert? I think we can put that one to bed though. And for me, I have him as my quarterback four for dynasty purposes. And if you, th this was a really good conversation in the discord, it was back and forth, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. And I, Truly, if you want to have Lamar over Herbert, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you on it. Even though I argued a little bit in the Discord, but it you know now that I think about it, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah good points there. I mean, hey, Lamar, if you like the rushing quarterback, you you may go Lamar. But we just look pure raw talent. Those other guys you named on this list, and specifically Baker Mayfield, Herbert is a uber much more talented quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Baker's a hardworking kid who's maturing. He, you know, he's showing some development. Cleveland's taking the dysfunction out, and, and they're running a pretty good ship there and, and building a good team around Baker. So I think Baker's a solid quarterback, but Her Herbert's elite, and I think that's what we realize here in the Chargers and love everything they've done this offseason. So there's just a huge difference in talent there. If you want to make the claim that Justin Herbert is going to regress in year two and suffer that sophomore slump, have something to support it and not just say, well, historically, because historically, schmishmorically. I'm surprised I could get that out. All right, Mitch, this one, I don't, I'm kind of intrigued by this one. Joe Burrow is going to get killed behind that offensive line. He's going to get injured again. We don't, we don't want him. Like, I won't say that he's going to get injured again. But as we know from Linda, the Bengals fans, like 100% believe they've upgraded their offensive line. And I'm sorry, Riley Reef is not an upgrade over 30 other tackles in the league. There's a reason why the Lions let him walk. There's a reason why the Vikings let him walk. I mean, you don't let tackles just walk in for agency. It's not what you do. And so I know they got Jonah Williams coming back and he should be okay, but this offensive line still isn't very good. And we know they're going to pass the ball a lot. That's what this offense is. And he's going to get hit. And it's just, if he's going to hold up for 17 games, do I think he is? Yeah, because I'm not actually going to be like, no, I think this quarterback's going to be injured because of this offensive line. But I am very worried about this offense to where he gets sacked on second down. All of a sudden they have third and long, then they're punting. And they're not going to be able to sustain drives because of this. And then their fantasy points at the end of the season are going to be lower because they just can't stay on the field for long enough. And that's my biggest worry with this whole Bengals offense. From a dynasty perspective, Mitch, how are you viewing and valuing Joe Burrow? Right with Tua. I think they're both just right behind. Here, give me one mm. moment. I Ooh. think they're right behind Trey Lance, Fields, and Wilson. I'll have those guys right ahead of him. Which Wilson? Now we have to differentiate. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Zach. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Zach Wilson. Yep. So you're going to take all three rookies over Joe Burrow, given the opportunity? Yes. Okay. Without a and doubt. That, I that think was they're it. all better prospects than Burrow, too, to be honest with you. Mm. And that, well, that, that's, an, that's another story. Now, Dan's getting all riled up over here. You have the flag? I'm starting to sweat. I want to bring out the flag, but I mean, Mitch has got some points. So I don't know if I'm necessarily challenging him, but... um. It may turn into a challenge. You can let us know, JB. I definitely uh, have some counterpoints to what Mitch is looking at there. I, I kind of like the direction of the, the offensive line. Now, I don't think it's all the way there. I don't think this team is going to get it all right this year. I think Mitch is onto something with Riley Reef. He's not a long-term solution by any means, but he is decent in pass pro. Like He is an upgrade on what they had last year. This team's got some continuity now in the O-line, too. So you have... Jonah Williams, 
you know, back at left tackle. He's your 2019 first round pick. You have Michael Jordan at left guard, who's going to be pushed by rookie Carmen Jackson, who went in the second round out of Clemson. He's a decent prospect. Hopkins is back at center. He's he's a little bit above serviceable. And then you have Quentin Spain back at right guard, which moves Xavier Sula Filo. He liked that pronunciation, baby. Back to the bench. And, and Xavier was with the Cowboys. And he's a he's a decent like guy for a few weeks as a fill-in. So now they got a little bit of depth. You just don't want to start him for 16 games by any means. They they bring in Coach Frank Pollock as the O-line coach. And he he's a pretty decent coach, too, man. He was with the Cowboys a little bit and had some really good running years with them. You know, I think Mixon could kind of, uh, you know, have a better year and take a little bit of pressure off here. So that O-line, it's, it, it's still a work in progress, but I think it's better. And I think they've got so many offensive weapons that just being that little bit better, that offense is going to be a nice fantasy football offense. And I and I love Joe Burrow. I love the targets around him. I think he'll, he will stay healthy. They'll have some off games. They'll have some bumps. They're still the Bengals. I think to Mitch's point, I am a little bit worried. Like the head coach does, could get a little bit pass happy. I mean, please find a little bit of balance in that offense and take some pressure off of Joe Burrow. That would be nice. Uh, but overall, Mitch, I, I, I got to take the other side there, man. And I think he stays healthy and puts up some good fantasy numbers. And not even looking just the injury aspect, but looking at the offensive line in general, and can they give him enough protection and just time to throw the ball? If Dan, if you find somebody in your league that has Joe Burrow and maybe they're not coming out and saying it, but there is concern there in the back of that dynasty manager's mind. Are you looking to, to, to potentially acquire Joe Burrow? And at what cost? I'd love to get Joe Burrow. So he's not in my elite six. So let's just say, I don't have one of the lead six on my roster. Then Burrow is a guy I want. If I have one of the lead six and I still have a window to get Burrow, man, hey, you have my number one next year and whatever number two quarterbacks on my roster, I'm going to find a way to try to get Burrow onto my team. Um, Burrow is in Cincinnati is one of those offenses I really like this year. Mitch mentioned Tua. I don't necessarily have them as close because I, I just think Burrow is going to sling it around a bit more, but you know, they're, they're two of the target guys that I want. If I can't get Burrow in his range, then I'm going to slide a little bit because I believe two of his ADPs a little bit later, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be happy getting to it. Mitch, you said you have Zach Wilson ahead of Joe Burrow, which for the Dynasty yeah. Theory listeners, this is not a consensus take amongst the three of us. That's where I throw the flag with JB. I, the, the, I, the Wilson really? and Fields takes, man. They're just different organizations over there. I mean, just Joe. So hold on, wait. What? Can, can I say something real quick? Did Dan just say the Jets are a worse organization than the Bengals? Am I? I just want to make sure that I'm hearing this. You know, we live really far apart, so I want to make sure I heard that right. <laughs> From PA to Utah, I don't want. Maybe I, again, I have to specify. I wouldn't say they're two totally different organizations, but I think for fantasy football, there's a lot more tools in the tool belt for the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow than there is for Zach Wilson and the Jets. I, I think there's a lot more work to be done in New York offensively than there is in Cincinnati. I can see that. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have Joe Burrow ahead of Zach Wilson, actually in the same tier as Justin Fields and Trey Lance. But it does present an interesting opportunity to pivot one way or the other. If you have Joe Burrow, you know, maybe it is a conversation or if you don't have Joe Burrow to see if the manager's looking to do a straight swap. So if you have fields behind Burrow and you want to see if you can make that one for one swap because the Burrow manager is down, I, I just think that's an opportunity that you should at least explore. So if you feel strongly about Joe Burrow, just throw some feelers out and see how the manager that has Joe Burrow on the roster feels about him because it might be a Mitch situation because I'm, I'm sure there's at least one league you have Joe Burrow, right? Oh, there is. I mean, I don't hate him. No, I'm just no, saying right. I like the other rookies more. Right, right. So, so time out. So here, here's a question for you guys as we look at both of their situations. So we'll just look at Zach Wilson and Joe Burrow. I mean, how big of a factor is it having Chase, Boyd, and Higgins versus 
the Jets receivers to me, which is one of the most polarizing wide receiving crews in fantasy football. I'm looking at like the Jets and the Raiders like daily doing these best ball drafts, and I'm thinking, who's going to step up? Like who who could be a number one? Like what if Mims doesn't materialize? I mean, I, I think I'm high on Elijah Moore, but that, that's your one right there. End end of conversation. Maybe, but you know, you're so, looking at maybe a one versus the Bengals have like three ones or, or so, great twos. Yeah, I brought this up on a previous episode, and this is what I worry about with the Bengals. I'm going to worry about it until these teams change. They have to play the Ravens twice. They have to play the Steelers twice. They have to play the Browns twice. Those are very, very good defenses to where you're looking at your weekly matchups that week. Are you going to be willing to play Joe Burrow going against the Ravens, or are you going to be willing to pay play maybe a lesser quarterback going against an easier matchup? And you're going to have six games throughout the season that you're going to have to look at that. And that doesn't include the other teams that they're playing. But now Miami, New England, Buffalo's defenses aren't Swiss cheese over there. They're, they're getting but pretty tough. it's not the same. Too. I mean, you're looking at like top Steelers. 10 perennial defenses against like what was Buffalo's last year. Steelers defense isn't the old Steelers defense either. At least the secondary. Anyway, so going back to the pivot. <laughs> it's like, uh, did, did you guys watch the Friends? Did you watch Friends at all? No. The HBO Dan, reboot there? Yeah, did you watch the reunion? We did, we did. I don't want to sound too corny, but I had goosebumps at one point. I really <laughs> did. I, I thought it was great. Anyway, I, I bring Friends up because the one episode anybody that watches Friends, pivot, pivot, pivot. So that, I, real quick, the, the perfect opportunity here would be if Mitch, you have Joe Burrow, I'm going to guess that most people have Joe Burrow ahead of Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. That's your pivot. Joe oh, Burrow for Zach Wilson plus. So if that's the way you feel, again, I'm, we're not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not saying it's right. It is wrong. But if you do have Zach Wilson ahead of Joe Burrow, then that's the perfect opportunity. Anytime that you can find the difference there in value, that's that's where you have to go and kind of pick up value in the margins. Any we we went on about Joe Burrow. The weapons are certainly better there, but we want to see that offensive line improve. Hopefully we see that improvement, but the the concern for me the the overall concern of this narrative, the volume is going to offset that. So Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. I'm still okay with him. And yeah, I mean I'm, he's still a top 12 dynasty quarterback. Well, that offensive line is going to get injured. So, you know, <laughs> all right, Dan, Jalen hurts. We've seen both, both sides here. And with Jalen hurts and these next two quarterbacks, actually, there's been narratives, both sides, Jalen hurts. He's not going to be a starting quarterback in 2022. And they're not mutually exclusive by any means, but then Jalen hurts is going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback in 2021. Is one true or both true? Neither? I wanted my answer to be 50-50, but then you'd right away say I'm hedging my bets here and I've got to pick sides. So I'm going to go 55-45. That hurts as the starter next year. I think back to late in the season, the Dallas game, which you know I was watching there. He gets pulled early, which he shouldn't have, and that's why Peterson gets fired, one of the reasons. Um, But you know he showed flashes in the beginning of that game and throughout the second half of the season of being a special talent. He also showed some flashes of being a really struggling rookie. And what, what I hold on to is my, my case for him is I see the talent. He's their quarterback now for sure. And the O-line is healthy. I do think this is an improved Philadelphia Eagles team. But they do have three number one draft picks. And if there's any glimpse of him showing more of that struggling side, if he can't be consistent – uh, especially the second half of the year after he's had some time in this offense, they're going to invest the number one in somebody else. Jalen Hurts is the perfect quarterback for this offense because you look at the offensive line woes, and we've talked about this previously, what is the best way to really make up and pick up the slack for a poor offensive line? Having a mobile quarterback. And you get that with Jalen Hurts. You know, so he kind of gives you, and I hate the phrase, it just annoys me for some reason. I feel like I'm a 90-year-old, get off my lawn. But people say the Konami cheat code, okay? You know, it just annoys me for some reason. I don't know. It's neither here nor there. One episode, we should just do things that annoy me. That could be a marathon episode. That 
Don't open up that kitten right now. Don't open that can up I was right like, now. Where this going? Where is this going? No, but really, really you're, you're taking me away from the point there. But that that old line though, I'm I'm really interested to watch the Philadelphia Eagles offense if it could evolve, if those receivers could step up, if those young kids can mature quicker than anticipated. You know, Devonta Smith, if Rager could be Rager, you know, you got Dallas Goddard. So they have weapons. They have Miles Sanders. That entire offensive line was pretty much decimated last year. Yep. They have the and this offensive line was supposed to be solid last year. This was not supposed to be a bad offensive line. And, and you have to take all those injuries into account. They're all back. They're all healthy. They're all back. I know Lane Johnson's older, but they got some stud offensive linemen. They have developing offensive linemen. They've got continuity. They just need to stay healthy. And if they can, they might surprise some people. Yeah, there's certainly that possibility. And I don't want to say he can't improve from that, what, 52% completion percentage because right. we've seen it. And we just talk about Lamar Jackson. And I'm not, please, I'm not saying Jam- Jamar. I'm not saying, <laughs> Jay, I'm, I'm combining names here. Jamar, Jamar Hurtson. No, I'm not saying, Jay, <laughs> completely blank. Jalen Hurts is Lamar Jackson, but... He does present the upside, obviously, with the rushing ability. So I'm actually, I don't believe he is the starting quarterback in 2022. I I believe they look to draft somebody. I do. So here's my thought before I turn it over to Mitch. I have Jalen Hurts on several rosters. And if I have him, I am potentially, depending on my quarterback situation and the rest of my team, looking to move him mid-2021, ideally, I think. Because I think there are going to be people like, let's say Deshaun Watson is suspended and misses all of 2021. If a contender has Deshaun Watson or they're in the mix, you can probably move Jalen Hurts for Deshaun Watson. Plus, I I think that's realistic. So that's kind of my thought on the situation, Mitch. So there's two questions there. 2022, is he the starting quarterback? And then can he be a top 10 quarterback here in 2021? Yeah, I think he's a lock for top 12 if he starts the 16, 17 games. But like you guys said, this isn't a bet for or against Jalen Hurts. This is a bet for or against the Eagles. Exactly. The Eagles yep. have so many picks. And so my the first thing I did is I went to uh, find out the win totals for next year. So CBS Sportsline had them updated two days ago, and the Eagles are tied for the sixth lowest win total at seven games. Yeah. And I think that's – I think – if I had to guess where it was, seven games to be fair, that's only two games more than Houston and the Lions. I mean, they're not projected to be a good team this year. I don't think we should. And if we assume they're picking in the top 10 with all the draft capital they have so they can move up and get whoever they want in the draft at that point, I think without a doubt, like they're going to have a new quarterback next year. I just don't see this team being good enough to finish – 20th or 21st because I mean they have Miami's pick too but Miami's probably not going to be a top 10 team and so it's I just think they're going to be bad enough to where they're going to end up picking a quarterback and I think I'm on board with that I know Dan wanted to semi hedges bet at 55 45 let's let's call a let's call a spade a spade here that was a straight hedge however you want to frame it but I I am of the the belief that the way I see it now, I'm looking to move Jalen Hurts just to reiterate mid 2021 and exploring options. And one more thing I was going to add Jalen Hurts, right now, unless he improves so dramatically going into the following offseason, I don't see him like being that really good trade capital guy, right? I could see him being Gardner Minshew with slightly more trade value, right? To where people during the season last season were like, oh, some other team will trade for Minshew and give him a chance to start. I think that's going to be the same talk about Jalen Hurts, but I don't think it's actually going to happen. So do you you think it's going to be more difficult to move him midseason than maybe, I, think, um, I believe? Four or five games in, I think you're okay. But I think if you're getting around that eight, nine, ten, the Eagles are three and seven, three and eight. I think people are going to see the writing on the wall of, yeah, he might not be the starter for anybody at this point. Especially if you wait that long, because by that time, eh, I have three quarterbacks. I'm good. I'm a contender. I'm not looking to acquire Jalen Hurts because I don't need to take on that risk. Mm -hmm. And then there's other teams. I'm not contending at this point. It's 10 games in. There's no reason for me to go out there and take him because I don't know that he's going to start in 2022. But yeah, I 
first few games. Um, you know, and certainly things could change. Let's say they start off five and oh, let's not some miracle, they're five and oh. Okay, I we, we all are going to be whistling a different tune, but this is all based on the assumption that they do win around that six, seven game mark, you know. So, Dan, any last thoughts here before we move on? Anything else on Jalen Hurts? Just I see a lot of uh chatter there in the in the chat, which is pretty cool talking about the NFC East. And you know, I've done my best to not be a Cowboys homer here, and I'll continue not to be, at least for this conversation. But I think like the Eagles, they're the team that needs the most things to go right in that division. And knowing that 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 Vegas total is probably accurate. And again, I think Scott in the chat said they could he could have great stats and the team still only has six wins and then they go in a different direction. So there's a good chance that happens. But at the same time, hey, man, Fitzmagic Fitz isn't getting any younger, even though I think Washington's kind of my favorite in the division right now. I could easily see that turning course. I think my Cowboys have a ton of talent, but Dallas always finds a way or often finds a way to, to not put it all together. And if that O-line can't stay healthy, Giants are building a lot of talent too, but they've got some voids to fill. It's going to be interesting to watch. Are we done with the NFC's talk? See, you got to get me hyped there, man. It's, it's... Well, we're not quite done because I just turned the from, volume down for a little bit. I try to do it, but you know, coming from the NFC East, Carson Wentz. So you're watching live on YouTube. You're watching back on YouTube. New team, same result. Carson Wentz. Again, we're, we can look at this both ways because I'm seeing both narratives here. So Dan, I want to start with you. One, can Carson Wentz revitalize his career in Indianapolis after what we saw in Philadelphia? Or we saw such a drastic decline that, for lack of a better word, he's washed. I think he does revitalize his career in Indianapolis. I don't necessarily think he revitalizes his fantasy football career where we once saw him. Like, I don't see that ceiling, that upside to get to that you know, upper echelon anymore. You know, he's in that guy that's just going to kind of get stuck on our roster, but I think he'll put up decent numbers. I, I have no problem having him as my second quarterback if I have to. Uh, he's got a much better offensive line. He's going to a much healthier coaching staff situation right now than the Eagles were one year ago. So, you know, he gets away from all of that and is going to a place where he's wanted and they've got a, you know, very good offense around him. Uh, I see there is being nowhere to go but up for his career. Now, how long that will be in Indianapolis? You know, uh, I'd, I'd be expecting three good years. And in fantasy football, that's a good enough window for me in Dynasty to roll at Wentz if I have him. Mitch, you you gave the um, – my camera's always a little – you gave the, the finger wag. You were like, I yeah, and I agree with that. So let me I ask. I agree. Let, Mitch, let me ask. Mm-hmm. He finishes 2021 as quarterback 12, okay? And you, we can look at it fantasy points per game or whatever. season yeah. long, whatever. So quarterback 12, the Colts make the playoffs. You don't think he, right there he revitalized his fantasy career? No, I I actually agree with Dan is what I'm saying. It's like, I agree that he's revitalizing it, but it's. No, but Dan said he doesn't know that he revitalizes his fantasy career. Not to his ADP where it once was. Okay. He doesn't okay. have that kind of ceiling where we want Wentz on our rosters. I have I, I obtained one share of him this offseason where it made sense. I gave up Watson at the beginning of the saga, and I got Tua and Wentz. And in that, in that league, that roster, I have uh, the 101, so I'm going to have Lawrence, and Wentz is going to be serviceable for a few years. Yeah. A year ago, I probably wouldn't want to touch that because he, he was a mess. I see Wentz as like Brissett had 18 passing touchdowns. Rivers had 24 in that offense. Um, they both, I mean, Rivers had a, his sack weight was well below his average. And so when I see Wentz, I could see him just being a 25 touchdown, 10 interception guy, and just one who's steady. Like Dan was saying, quarterback two on your super flex team. Love it. If he's your quarterback three, even better. But I don't ever see him becoming the quarterback one on your team again. I think if he is your one going into the season, you should be really trying to upgrade that position because I don't think he's going to give you enough points on a weekly basis to be that much better than what quarterback 16 is on the season. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I could certainly see that. So I think the better way to frame it than not just revitalize his career, but you both took it as revitalize his career back to what he 
his peak in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. But I think just maintaining that solid quarterback to value might be enough because once everything was going on in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts, a lot of people left him for dead, essentially. Oh, everybody did. Like, you guys picked up very little shares. I picked up a lot because nobody wanted him. So I'm like, yeah, I'll take him there. Yeah, it was a lot of conversations. Carson Wentz or a second. I, I remember that very vividly. And I, I think it's changed a little bit, obviously, but certainly not to what Carson Wentz was at his peak in Philadelphia as a top five, six, seven dynasty asset. But like I, I would rather have Derek Carr or Sam Darnold no than way. Carson Wentz. No way. Carr? There's no way. Carr? No. I'm not convinced Carr is going to play the whole season as the Oakland or as the Las Vegas quarterback. No, I'm not. I'm not quite there, but there's, I, I think there's a better chance that Carson Wentz is the starter in 2022 and beyond than Derek Carr. You guys almost got me saying David Carr. I had to hesitate there. I was well, going, I, going I on in the chat. Derek. <laughs> the chat's trying to sabotage us with yeah, the David. The first happened. episode we get Derek Carr, right. And the chat's trying to blow us up here. But no, I, it, I just think it, Derek Carr, if he works his way out of uh, Las Vegas there because Gruden gets impatient, I just think he lands somewhere else. I think he's a very, I think he's a good quarterback. I, I don't know. I, 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 I think the true Carson Wentz. I don't know if he's quite at that peak that we saw a few years back, but I think he is better than what we saw last year. Mm-hmm. And Derek Carr, he he's always just like another guy that nobody really wants. He's just that. But he's in that class Wentz, JB. So even if you put him ahead of Carr, I'll give you that one. He, he, he's not going any higher. He's not passing anyone else out in the rankings. Uh, I, I'm Okay. If Derek Carr finishes as a top 12 quarterback this year. Not a chance. Just listen. <laughs> if Derek Carr finishes as a top 12 quarterback this year and Carson Wentz finishes as a top 12 quarterback, who sees a bigger spike in value from a dynasty perspective? I guarantee you it's Carson Wentz. I guarantee it. If they're both top 12, man, that's going to be an excellent episode of Dynasty Theory. I can't <laughs> wait for that one. We're, we're going to play this clip back. But uh... I'm, I'm just, or, or one or the other, but there is a better a better chance that uh, Carr's value does not spike as much as Carson Wentz. Okay. Anyway, I didn't think we were going to talk about Carr tonight, but he slips into every episode. We have to collect like royalties from the Carr family. <laughs> I think that's how we have to do it. Last quarterback we want to talk about, and he was just brought up, but he found a new home in Carolina. Mitch, I want to start with you, Sam Darnold. Same thing. Does he revitalize his career, especially after they picked up the fifth-year option? Or is this like an, another bridge, another Teddy Bridgewater situation? Honestly, has he had a career? Like, what's he revitalizing? Is When I looked at this, I'm like, well, yeah, of course he is. But now looking at it, like I, I sure hope so because anything's better than what he's done lately. But he's in a great situation. I mean, you look at the skill positions around him from Moore to Anderson to Marshall to CMC. He has every reason to be good. And if he's not, then, you know, I'm going to eat a lot of draft capital because I traded quite a few 21st for this offseason on competing teams because he's going to be my quarterback three. Now, at that point, I'm like, well, I'm competing. I'm probably not going to get quarterback in next year's draft anyway, so it's worth the gamble. But if he ends up failing after six games and they end up benching him for, I think, what, P.J. Walker's still on the team, then it's going to suck. But I look at him like a rookie. I thought you were going to... I thought you were still going. That was kind of an abrupt. My bad. I, I ran out of air. Usually, usually I can tell when either of you are about to wrap things up. We kind of just picked up on that over the episodes. Yep. But that one was very abrupt. I'm sorry. I must have really needed air there. I'll it's stop okay. my game. Uh, I like, it's okay. It's okay. I like his thoughts of looking at Darnold as a rookie. Like I think he is in the same ideal situation as Carson Wentz. I mean, what you described in Carolina is similar in, in Indianapolis. You know, you've got maybe not as flashy as the receiver crew, but you got Pittman and you got Hilton. You got, you know, a variety of tight ends. Maybe Paris Campbell stays healthy, but you have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield and some really good offensive linemen blocking for you. But there's a five-year differential in age. 
I think Darnold does rejuvenate his career because of the great situation he's in. Very Wait, real, I'm sorry, five-year difference in age between who? Is it uh, Wentz and Darnold? Is Wentz 28? Yeah, so... Or, Darnold's we, 23. I don't... 28 is fine for quarterbacks in dying. Like, like, I'm just saying, you, you know it as well as I. You get a quarterback five years younger, and they're producing the same statistics. Everyone's going to want Darnold before Wentz. And, and before a couple of years, he's going to be 30. And then the, the conversation, you know, it just, it just gets a little more interesting. So I'm looking at peak value, a couple spots in the rankings. I'll take it. So I am intrigued by Darnold. He's younger. He, he has a good season. I could see him getting a nice little contract extension there in Carolina with all that talent around him. So give me Sammy D. So I, I like Sam Darnold plenty, but I think, yeah. I'm going to take Carson Wentz over Sam Darnold. Same. Uh, I And I'm going to take him over Derek Carr, as we talked about. I just, l- let's say you look at these quarterbacks, like the three that Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, those are the three that there are question marks, if you want to say, beyond 2021. I, ca- I, I feel so much better about Carson Wentz in that team situation just because there's a very little chance that Colts team completely crumbles. We can't say that about Sam Darnold. We can't say it about Jalen hurts, even though I like both of them plenty. There are concerns with Sam Darnold. Um, This Carolina team, they could struggle. They could stumble. They could have trouble keeping up with the teams in their division. They could, but I'm a Carolina believer. I love the talent they're building on on both sides of the football there. And I just think you get away from Adam Gase, boy, that, that that's golden. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a big jump getting away from Adam Gase. I mean, to your point, though, I mean, both quarterbacks do have questions, with, without a doubt. They have something to prove. I think they're both going to good situations. I just still like Darnold's upside a little bit more. I think there's there's more ceiling there for me for Darnold compared to Wentz. I'll continue worrying about that coaching staff in Carolina until they prove that they're actually good. And it's not just hype. It's my biggest worry with that team right now. It's they should be really good. They did really well in college, but we haven't seen a lot in the pros yet. We saw multiple wide receivers um, be fantasy relevant. So from a fantasy perspective, it's all that matters. You're right. Yeah. That's all that matters is we we don't care about wins and losses. So, uh, there, there's a comment in the chat about the Panthers and Sam Darnold. Didn't they continue to, you know, at least in in the rumor mill that they were pursuing Deshaun Watson, possibly even after the fifth year option was picked up. But then, so there, there's that. Okay. There could be question marks with Sam. We're on a first name basis now. Apparently I call him Sam, but the fact that they like, was there even a quarterback on their board? Really, like it seemed like they were content, and then like the the conspiracy theorists, not even a cons- conspiracy, really, but th- they waited until after the draft to pick up that fifth year option. Which, to any normal rational human being, would think, well, maybe they wanted to wait to see if a rookie slipped to them. But Fields slipped to them, and they were. I can't remember. Don't slip to them. If it was the GM on Rich Eisen's podcast, or if it was Matt Rule, but they were talking about how they viewed these rookie quarterbacks, and they were just like, "Look, the bust rate's really high." We never talk about how high the bust rate is, but they were talking about how they were going through some defensive videos, and the defensive guys, their team were like, "You know, Darnold does really good things," and that's what started getting the Panthers thinking about it. And so they end up going with Darnold thinking that, you know, the bust rate with the rookies is probably a lot higher than what we know what we have in Sam Darnold right now. And depending on what you believe, I mean, if you watch, you know, listen to Kuiper and Herb Street around that time, they said, hey, if Darnold at age 23 was in this class, where would you rank him? A lot of mm-hmm. people had him ahead of uh, a lot of these rookie quarterbacks other than Lawrence. So I think Carolina had that view. All right. So talking about these quarterbacks, I want to look out. So we talked about 2021. We talked about 2022 a little bit. The year is 2023. All right. And we're very good, not just on dynasty theory, but the whole dynasty community of projecting multiple years out. And I say that with sarcasm because we're lucky if we can project five days out, (laughs) but now I'm asking to project a few years out. So the year is 2023. 
we're looking at Carson Wentz. We're looking at Jalen Hurts. We're looking at Sam Darnold. And I want to throw Joe Burrow in there too, just because it seems like out of the three that we talked about earlier, the most question marks, who has lived up to the billing in 2021 and 2022 when we look back on it the year's 2023 and we can say yeah you know june of 2021 i picked up joe burrow at cost at his value and i feel great about it same with jalen hurts carson Wentz, sam darnold carson Wentz. i think it's the most stable organization to go with and if i have to pick the quarterback i'm gonna go with the best team that's actually where i am as well and that that's why i'm looking and uh, you know dan i kind of um Gave you a hard time talking about Carson Wentz, obviously comparing him to Carr and Sam Darnold, but it is, it's just, there is a much better chance that that team and Dan, you should be happy. Your dysfunction rankings, they're rubbing off on me and Mitch apparently, because that's why we're looking at Carson Wentz the way we are. Yeah, and again, if we were doing like a dynasty throwdown tonight, and it was, it was Mitch versus I, and it was Wentz versus Darnold, it'd be one that I'd be going into it a little bit nervous or apprehensive because you could totally make that argument. Yeah, you know, again, the Colts organization, a lot of respect for Coach Reich there and what they're doing. So I could see that. To your point, John, of projecting a couple years out, which we really, to your point, again, realistically can't do more than five minutes most of the time because this does change often, like the weather. But with the information we have today, I project they'd both be there both Wentz and Darnold. I, I think both of those teams have a plan. And as long as those quarterbacks can live up to that plan and keep these teams competitive and go in the right direction and you're, they're not frustrating the offensive coaches in what's expected of them, I think you can see them both resigning. Hertz is the big wild card out of that group that I'd be the most nervous about. He has the most to prove. Is Burrow still a top 12 dynasty quarterback in 2023? Nope. As long as the Bengals don't go back to being the Bengals, the Bungles, and, and the dysfunction comes out, then uh, you know things could change. But th- they're another organization that's made some good moves recently, and they're they're building a nice offense there. If that offensive line can continue to grow, and the head coach can continue to develop. So, guys, final thoughts, Dan. What is this episode? Hundred nineteen. It blows me away that we're still going. Whenever we kick this show off, Super Flexology, I, I remember talking to my wife and she's like, oh, yeah, like do a podcast. And then like a month went by and she's like, oh, you're still doing it. Six months goes by. I can't believe you're still doing it. And now she's like, just I, I don't want to hear about it. Stop talking to me about Dynasty Theory. She doesn't care about the theory, guys. She doesn't care. All right, Dan. Episode 119. Final thoughts for our listeners. For episode 119, two quick final thoughts. One. It, just to, I guess, wrap up one more rapid fire quarterback s- scenario. Your show notes said anything else as far as false narratives. I, I thought I was probably supposed to put that in the show notes, and I didn't. I just kind of, kind of kept it in my own notes. But no, Taysom, I actually, I, I looked at the clock and I skipped over it. So we ran out of time there, yeah. man. Taysom Hill, not a gadget quarterback. I think he wins the job unless Jameis takes some kind of monumental leap protecting the football and as a leader of a ball club. So that's just my quick. Uh, other quarterback take and seven underdog best ball mania tourney draft since last week, man, legal and PA. I'm loving it. And 100% Kadarius Tony shares. So I will end on that. Did you see DraftKings has their million dollar one out now? Just so you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to have a little DraftKings love there too, man, as I'm getting ready for the DFS uh, season. So I'll hop on their platform next. So, Mitch, is that your final thought? No, that wasn't. So, my final (laughs) thought is, this goes back to the Todd Gurley, whatever it was last week with the Lions. A lot of veterans are going to go visit teams. Just because they're visiting doesn't mean they're going to sign. Like, Twitter had a meltdown over it. But, like, there's going to be hundreds of these vets that go out and get the team visits this year. We didn't see a lot last year because of COVID and people couldn't go. So I don't know if people are just forgetting that this happens, but especially a visit in like late May, early June, normally veterans won't even sign then. They'll wait until a weekend of training mm-hmm. camp. They're like, hey, now I'll show up. So I would just, anytime you see so-and-so's visiting somewhere, just pump the brakes, like just give it a month and see what actually happens. We're going to revisit that final thought whenever Duke Johnson visits somewhere. I know. Wait, Mitch, <laughs> Mitch, no, no joke. I, I finally, 
I was forced to cut him off of one of the rosters because we do a lot of leagues with deeper rosters, right? Yeah. So I, so I'm not ashamed to say I have Duke Johnson creep in some places, and I had to hit that drop button, and it hurt me. It hurt me. It, it hurt me bit. worse. Yeah. All right. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. And again, reminder: more YouTube exclusive content. We kicked off Coach Dan's corner, so there's gonna be a lot of good stuff coming at you on the Dynasty Theory YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe. Stay safe, be kind to each other, and have a fantastic night.